Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. My name is Mark Striegel, and I'm so glad you are joining me here for a discussion on Peace Cells, But Who's Buying by Megadeth, one of the greatest metal records of all time, without question. And we are joined by a handful of the people who support me on Patreon to discuss this great record today. But before we get into the episode, I do want to thank each and every one of the people on Patreon who support me. So let's let's give the uh, the list a run through here. We got Eddie the Head, 83, Nick Beach, Miss Metal Dan, Sam Warwick, Kato Yogava, Adrian Cusick, Dane Damage, Madison Hatter, Seth B, who's on the show today with me, Alan Janssen, Hank Reeves from Dash Vodka, John Simpson, a guy I've known forever, uh, love John Simpson, Huckney Jacobson, Ed Ferguson, also on the show today, Denny Striegel, Patrick Sabin, Jerry from Salt Lake City, Blue Walsh 21, Victor Guzman, Gene Eugene DX, Sean Richmond, Mario Charance, Andrew Miller, Jeremy Weltman, Johan Erdison. I'm trying to pronounce it like he pronounced it today. I know I always say it wrong, but uh, what can you do? Uh, just a dumb American. Uh, Steven Rodriguez, Tommy Anderson, Gregory Muse. And Johan, by the way, is on the show today. Kenny McCrimmon, Leo from Alaska, Brad Dahl. Dan Gurwan, Victor M. Ruiz, also on the show today. Sam Supi, Drake, Matt Carroll, Joe Ryan, Jason Seth, Steven Saylor, Ron Keel. Ron Keel is in this cool book I'm reading. I'll have to review that uh, at some point for you guys. Um, it's called Nothing But A Good Time, and it is a good time reading it, I tell you. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Jean-Francois Blas. Anthony Mackey, James Bennett, David Gray, Fred Roots, Michael Street, Mike Jones, Steve Hoker, John Boivari, and of course, Metal Dan. So thank you to all you guys for your support here on Patreon. All right, man. So, God, it's been almost a year since we stopped playing music here on the show. I'll probably go into this a little bit more in the, the next episode, but I, I hate it, man. I mean, I did that... 
guest spot on another podcast and was talking some priest, which was a great fun thing. Uh, and you know, they play some little sound samples of music and I had some people saying, well, why don't you do stuff like that? I mean, I used to play full songs. I used to play sound samples of songs. And the reason I don't do it is because I can't, it's, that's not, you know, and I know you guys, I'm going to, every time I say this, I get like three people who are like, you can play music. It's the fair use law. No, no, you can't. That doesn't apply to podcasts, guys. Don't you think if Sirius XM could play music on their podcast, they would? And, and then somebody's going to say, well, they do, but they don't. If you listen on the Sirius XM app, maybe they do. But if you're listening to a Sirius XM podcast via Apple Podcasts, there's no music on those shows, at least not real music, maybe library music that's, you know, they don't have to pay for. But I, I can't play music. And I know there are podcasts that play it. I used to play music. And guess what? I got thrown off of Spotify because of it. You know, so I, it's, it, I, I so desperately just want to say F it and start playing music again. You know, play like clips from from this P Cells record on today's show, but I'm not going to do it because I'm trying to be a good boy. And, and quite frankly, if I get thrown off of Apple Music like some of my friends have for playing music on their podcasts, no, one, no one's listening to this show. You know, so it's, a, it's something I'm struggling with uh, because I know I always said if I get forced to not play music on this show, I will stop the show. And one, almost one year ago, I, I took a month off and really had to wrap my head around, do I still want to do this show? Because it, it was dawning on me that I could be in legal jeopardy for playing songs on my show. And I came to the conclusion that I would give it a run without music. So I, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just being totally honest that, that I miss the music greatly. Well, what about when bands tell you it's okay to play music? I still can't play the music unless I have a legal team involved and I'm clearing music. And sometimes that can take a month to do. And I know people out there, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You can play music. No, you can't. You can't, you can't even, you can't play seven seconds of music. You, there's no fair use thing that all that stuff doesn't exist for podcasts, broadcast TV and radio. That's a different story, but that, that you know, so I'm not, I'm not looking to try to argue or have you guys tell me where and how I can play music legally on the podcast. I know how to do it. It's expensive and it's time consuming and I, I can't do that. So I'm not going to do it, okay? Um, yeah, so I'm just venting here a little bit because I miss playing music. It was actually harder to play music as far as the editing goes and stuff, but it was a better show, man. The show was so much better with music. I know some of you might disagree, but listen, I don't make any money at this show. Yeah, I have Patreon. I don't make a lot of money. I, I, I maybe make you know, a hundred, 200 bucks a month after expenses on the show. If that, quite frankly, because when I think about printing up t-shirts and all this other stuff, so it's a labor of love. It, honestly, it really is. This isn't, I wanted this to be a side hustle when I kind of revamped it a year ago. You know, and hey, I'm gonna really give it an, an all my all and, and make money at this. But I, I'm not making money at this. I mean, not very little. It doesn't mean I listen. 
I need as much support on Patreon as possible. I thought I could easily get 100 people to support me. That didn't happen. I'm tapped out right around the 50 mark, which is, you know, upsetting uh, on the one hand. Uh, on the other hand, I'm, I'm very grateful that I have those people who do support me. I know there's a lot of you guys who listen who think podcasts should be free. I get it. That's the model Steve Jobs set up, you know, and... I'm like that too. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't know if I'd pay to to get them. Maybe maybe maybe, maybe I would a few of them. But so that's kind of where we're at, guys. I, I'm just riffing here. I'm being a hundred percent honest. I'm trying not to. I'm not trying to drag anybody down. But this is, uh, if anything, this is therapy for me to just talk <laughs> and hear myself talk. So I appreciate again all the support. Whether you're on Patreon or not, I appreciate the support. Had a bunch of people buy the the $10 Talking Metal t-shirts. That was awesome. Uh, people who don't support me on Patreon. That is a limited time offer, guys. We will extend it through the end of the year. Anyone, if you're listening to this and it's 2021, anyone who still wants a Talking Metal t-shirt in the United States only, I'm sorry, can buy one for $10, I will send it out. I have way too many t-shirts at this point. Uh, I think I, I still have every size. I'm, I have just dozens and dozens and dozens of extra large ones. Large, I'm down to just a handful. Medium, it's like maybe one or two. And then I got tons of double, double XLs and triple XLs. Maybe one or two smalls. No one buys smalls. You guys are all big guys. I realize that. <laughs> so, free form. Yep. Just just riffing here, guys. Uh, dog barking. I As soon as I turn the mic on, the dog starts barking. It's like they, they know I'm talking and they're just, they're, they're so mad I'm not paying attention to them. So, they just pretend to start barking at random stuff. Got two dogs, Otis and Pearl. Follow me on social media, guys. It's at Talking Metal on Instagram and Twitter. And I am on TikTok now, which I'm thoroughly enjoying TikTok. I, I really I really like TikTok. Uh, it's just my name, at Mark Striegel. All right, so we're going to get this dog to shut up and we're going to talk. Peace sells, but who's buying by Megadeth. Here we go with the patrons. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are doing another Patreon chat here on Zoom as part of the Talking Metal podcast with some of the people who support me on Patreon. And we are talking about the great album from 1986, Peace Sells, But Who's Buying by Megadeth. We have Seth, we have Johan, we have Victor, and of course, we have Ed. And we will first just do a, a quick check-in with everyone. I think I know where all you guys are checking in from, but... Let's just uh, let the, the listeners know and you can introduce yourself and just say where you're checking in from. Uh, first and last name, please. Seth. Hey, this is Seth Bate. I use he, him pronouns and I'm joining you from Kansas. There you go. Cool. Johan. Yes. My name is Johan Ederstrom and I'm calling him from Sweden, south of Sweden. Very good. Victor. Yes, this is. Victor M. Ruiz, and I am checking in from Spain. Where in Spain, Victor? Northern coast, uh, where it is raining plentifully right now. Um, if you have a Santander bank close to you, 
the headquarters are here. I can see them from my window. So no, very, very good. And are you, how close are you to like France? Uh, France is about three hours away. Okay. All right. And Ed. Yep. Ed Ferguson, Lexington, Kentucky. Right on. Cool. All right, guys. So again, first off, thanks for the support. You can continue to give me on, on Patreon. I, I never take that for granted and always enjoy getting together to talk with you guys about something we all love, or at least I think we, we all love. And that is an album by one of our favorite bands, the band this time being Megadeth and the album being Peace Sells, but who's buying? Now, before we get into the actual discussion on the album, let's, you know, the specifics of the songs and what we like and whatnot. Let's just let's just say that this it's a very confusing when you look at this record and, and feel free to jump in kind of free form at the top here, guys, if you have um, thoughts or clarification on any of this. But this record has been remixed, uh, remastered. And I believe you don't see much noted about it, but even parts have been re-recorded and at times. So we had the original combat record mix. Then there was the Capitol Records mix, which I'm unclear when that actually happened. If it was if they first if Capitol first released what the mix that combat had when Capitol bought Megadeth essentially off of combat and then they later re released another mix of the record I'm not that's I'm very unclear on that and then of course there was a I guess it was a 2003 2004 remixed remastered version and also some parts were re-recorded you don't hear that quite as much on this record the re-recorded stuff as you do on some of the other albums like so far so good so what but mustaine remixed remastered and allegedly re-recorded some of the the parts in in 2004 so it's 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 hard to follow along now all i know is that 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 original mix that some of them are up on Apple music. I think what you're hearing when you see the, I think it Randy burns, Randy burn. When you, yeah. when you see that mix, that I believe is the very original mix from the combat days that has been remastered. And I've actually prefer those sounds over the other sounds. They're, they're a little dirtier. They're a little messier. They're not as clean, if you will, and in my mind, that makes it heavier. It's also just sounds similar, if not exactly the same as what I was accustomed to when my best friend Terry Kayamori bought this record shortly after it came out and I recorded it on a Maxell Type 2 cassette from him. So anyone want to chime in on the remixed, remastered versions? Any thoughts on this before we get into the nitty gritty on the record? There's one more remix, actually. <laughs> okay, so there's four four remixes. All right, so I have the box set that they released, which has okay. the every... 25th anniversary box set. Uh, is it? Yes. Okay, so it has the original, which they remastered. They have the remix remastered from 2004, and then they have a Randy Burns mix from 2011. Okay. So that, I don't know if you guys can see that, but 
right there. So Randy Burns. Now, wasn't he involved in the very original, original mix? Because I thought he was the guy who was working for Combat and Megadeth when they first went into the studio. So is that 2011, a new mix by him? Or is it the same, uh, you know, original? Is it the original mix that he did for Combat before Capital remixed it? Well, whatever mix it is, I've got it right here. And yeah. it's way better than whatever they did to it back in 2004. <laughs> um, if you're going to look for this on vinyl, find that 2011 if you don't find an original somewhere. Yeah, I saw an original going for 300 some dollars, by the way, oh. online. I don't know if that was overpriced, but yeah, it's 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 confusing. But OK, so. So my record says combat. Sorry, Mark. My record says combat records and in the on the vinyl, it's capital. So I guess mine is the capital one. I bought this one in 86 or 87. I remember. Right. So that's nice. Probably the original mix. If not, it's the second mix. Who, who, who knows? Second. This, yeah. Who knows yeah. at this point? But yeah, hard, hard to follow along. Anyways, this album for me, I'll just throw it out there and then we'll get right into hearing from you guys. I had enjoyed the first record and knew very well that this guy had been in Megadeth. And I, I liked the title track, Killing is My Business and Business is Good off the first Megadeth record. I also remember the the nancy sinatra cover off of that record uh which which i liked i feel like there was one other song off that record i kind of dug but you know that record was a mess when it came out sonically um but then you know we oh i know what it was uh, mechanics off that record right which was essentially four horsemen by metallica uh you know mustaine claiming his metallica ground by essentially re-recording the song Four Horsemen, which he claimed he wrote the music for that song and changing the lyrics. So, you know, we were very excited because we were Metallica fans and this was a this was a cool little thing. Thrash music was still very young and fresh at that point. So when Peace Sells and Who's Buying came out a couple years later, I must admit when we heard this record, I was blown away by it. Uh, the power that came through with, you know, Wake Up Dead starting starting that album off. And I remember the video for that and just so much excitement. Um, and, you know, of course, the title track just blew my mind. There's so many great, great tunes off this record and absolutely an important record for me. And to me, just the fury that you hear on this record, we hear, oh, well, there was drug problems. There was this and that. And maybe that all made it played into it and made it so intense and and so dangerous sounding. And I mean, that was one thing when he did do the remix and remastered version, the Dave Mustaine version. I, I felt like it. some of that danger was taken away. And 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 uh, I, I really feel that, that, you know, if you can, guys, just go back to that original mix or one of the earlier mixes whatever it may be because man it was so fierce at that time and you know it's uh did it hold up the test of time that mix i think it did you know but that's just me but uh so many great tunes on the record let's jump right into talking with the the patrons here let's first uh let's let's go to you ed you were you were here first i think in the in the zoom call today let's yeah. jump over tell me your thoughts on this record so I echo a lot of 
everything that you just said, this record did blow me away. Actually, this was the first time I heard Megadeth. Um, I remember when I went to the record stores, I would see album covers from Slayer, maybe some other uh, Possessed. I remember seeing that one. For some reason, I never saw that first Megadeth record. And I think what I remember is reading about them in one of the metal magazines, along with uh, hearing about more uh, the Slayer Rain and Blood record. And I went to the mall and I think I bought Peace Sales and Rain and Blood at the same time. And, you know, of course, at that point, remember we were talking about Somewhere in Time having come out that same month. And a lot of the bands that we had been listening to were, you know, changing their sound. And by this time, of course, I'd been living with uh, Ride the Lightning and I discovered uh, Anthrax and Dealing With It by DRI. Uh, mixed with all the other pop metal bands and classic heavy metal. And when I bought these two tapes and put them on, you know, they, they gave me goosebumps. It's like you said, Mark, it's just ferocious. You just wake up dead. Just the riffage and wake up dead will exhaust you. And that continues on to the very end of the record. And it's, you know, as much as I, you know, Ride the Lightning is probably uh, my favorite record. This album is so interesting. I can listen to this, you know, 10 times more than I can listen to Ride the Lightning. Um, this album wow. is always entertaining and it's heavy and wicked and the guitar solos are often awesome. I think that um, Chris Poland and this lineup of the band is probably my favorite. Um, I think that Chris Poland's style of playing kind of links in with Dave's style. Um, as great as all the other players were, especially Marty Friedman on Holy Wars, I feel like Chris and Dave really had something that worked together in a way See, that is perfect on this record. Yeah, and I mean, by the time they got to Holy Wars, and this is just my humble opinion, there was they still had that chaos, but it was a controlled chaos. Whereas yeah. with 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 peace cells and for uh, you know so far so good so what those which are my two favorite Megadeth records that chaos almost felt like it wasn't controlled like it was about to go off the track at any yeah, given moment good. and and that's you know to me what made it feel so so dangerous Ed what do you you know I I look at this record as side one side two as a teenager I was completely blown away by side one would spent way more time listening you know, to side one that I did side two, uh, side yeah. two, the cover of uh, I Ain't Superstitious and Bad, what was it, Bad Omen, Bad uh -huh. Omens, Bad Omen. Though Bad Omen was okay. I like some of the riffs, but those yeah. two songs, for some reason, pulled down side two just a, just a little yeah. bit for me. I don't I mind either one Bad of those Omen, songs, but actually. You love it? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah the riff I, I is great, that, but I, I there's something about it doesn't hit me quite as hard as the other. I mean, it and my last words, that ending to the record, just so yeah, intense. Uh, the beginning aside, too, with the Good Morning Black Friday. Coincidentally, it is Black Friday here in the States when we are recording this. But that that was a, just incredible thing. One of the but, best thrash yeah. metal songs ever written, I think, is Good Friday. 
Yeah. And I think that coupled with that omen is one of the best moments of thrash metal history. I just love it. Those riffs are fun, fun to play, hard to learn to play, but man, yeah, yeah very fun. Right on. Cool. Let's jump over to you, Seth. Um, tell us any history you have on this album. When did you discover it? What's your uh, general feelings and thoughts on peace sells so and who's buying by megadeth yeah i think i'm going to be an outlier here this was not an album that uh, i had an association with when it came out it was a tape in other friends cars um, as a teenager who had to choose what he bought pretty carefully in the megadeth metallica rivalry i was definitely a metallica guy um and it surprises me a little now going back because the kind of snotty, sarcastic Dave Mustaine character uh, really appeals to me. And I think a lot of the punk stuff that I like is a similar vibe, but um, it didn't especially grab me at the time. I actually reached out to my friend, Sai, who really loves Megadeth and you know, asked him, what is it that he loves about Megadeth and tried to listen to the album through that viewpoint. Um, but... I, thrilled that I got this chance to revisit it because um, I uh, connected with a lot more of it now all these years later than I did at the time. Uh, and, and I agree, both Black Friday and My Last Words are super intense, genuinely creepy songs. Um, uh, the other thing that I'd say in general is, you know, I, I, especially as a younger person, but always have gravitated more toward metal that included melodic singing. And, you know, that's not what Dave Mustaine's known for, but there are a right. couple moments on this album when he sings and it makes me wonder, you know, is this a conscious choice the way he uses his voice? Um, uh, could he have been doing more what I, think of as melodic singing all these years or were those just like the only moments that were ever going to happen interesting yeah again we are talking peace sells but who's buying by megadeth here with the supporters on patreon and yeah i remember with this album i think maybe it was maybe it was the next album but they were on tour with alice cooper and i had missed that show somehow uh, but I was able to catch them, and I may have this in reverse, um, at the at a theater. I think it was called the Orpheum or something in Boston. And I'd gotten free tickets through my my school, actually, somehow. And Warlock opened up. Man, and it was, again, they played more than half of the, the P-Cells album. I feel like they played the majority of the songs off of this record because they only had three records out at that point. And what a night that was one of my definitely top 20 for me out of the hundreds of shows I've, I've seen that concert blew my mind again in Warlock opening up. They were good, but Megadeth just killed it. They just crushed it. Um, the, the craziest thing, I, I don't know. I probably shouldn't say this, but I remember the, the one thing I remember the most about Warlock was Doro coming out on stage and raising her arm up in the air and a full hairy pit uh, there, for Dor which as an American kid uh, was was a little different for me. I, I must admit, I was like, whoa, that's that I don't I haven't seen that before. You know, so props to, to Doro for letting it all hang out there. And uh, Megadeth just killing it. What a, what a great night that was. So much fun. Um, let's move over to uh, let, let's go to Johan. 
let's uh, talk about your history with this record, Johan, and any thoughts you want to share. Yeah, sure. Uh, as you Ed, and you said, I, I bought this record because of the cover, I think, uh, of the record. Which uh, is Vic, Vic Rattlesnake, right, in front of uh, Burnt Down United Nations, which is a place in New York City, you know, the United Nations. I think we all know what that is. And Mustaine obviously had some, some obsession with the United Nations because he revisited that theme many times throughout the years, including the United Abomination record uh many years later but anyways go on sorry to butt in johan go ahead uh, it's okay uh, i i wanted to find a band that was uh, different from metallica but uh, in the same style uh, i remember uh megadeth was one it was uh, i read the name in the papers and in, in the newspapers and so so when i bought this record uh, i was um Happy surprised. I remember, as you all said, side one was amazing. Wake Up Dead, Conjuring, P-Cells, Devil's Island, amazing songs. But Good Morning, Black Friday, not so much for me. Bad Omen, not much. Ain't Superstitious, not much, but My Last Words. That's the song I still listen to today. I love that song. It's a okay. great, great tune. Uh, as you said, very intense. And uh, the lyrics is, uh, I don't know scary or i know i'd say it's it's good lyrics he writes good lyrics mr mustaine absolutely and uh, the, what was the popularity of megadeth in in the late 80s in sweden were they were they popular sure uh, the whole genre was very popular uh, i don't think they visited sweden on this tour I'm not sure because I was around 14, so I wasn't allowed to go to Stockholm to see bands, but uh, I saw them on uh, the Countdown to Extinction tour uh, a couple of years later, and they played the Globe. No, a, a small arena besides the Globe, but Pantera was opening up uh, and Megadeth was headlining. So um, Megadeth is big in Sweden, still are. They, they still play arenas here. So, yeah. uh, absolutely. But uh, now this record is, uh, it's a good record. I listened to it while I was running the other day and uh, I still love it. The fresh song, Wake Up Dead is such a killer opening. Cool. For for, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good running song. I got to put that on my, my mix. Yeah, that would be yeah. a, a good one. How far do you run, Johan? Ah, between two kilometers and four but I try to run every day. Good. Good for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. And over to Victor in Spain. How are you, Victor? And let's talk about your history with this record. Of course, you did grow up in New Jersey, and yes. we know that New Jersey was a stronghold for, for thrash metal, for metal in general. Uh, very important, in my opinion, and I obviously biased opinion, but I, it plays a big history for, for the thrash metal and, and metal movement in, in general. I mean, we always hear about, you know, well, California and this and that and San Francisco, but yeah, Jersey definitely was a stronghold for these bands. Yeah. Without Johnny Z, I mean, how many of these bands would even, you would even know of them, you know, coming out of California, he was really like the godfather of the biggest proponent to get these bands on the map. And 
And just remind the listeners who Johnny Z is for anyone who may, might not know, Victor. Yeah, John Zazula, he's the he's the guy that um, started Megaforce Records. Uh, he managed Metallica, uh, Anthrax, Overkill, Testament. Uh, the list goes on and on. And um, and, you know, obviously Megadeth being part of that Metallica family tree, whether people want to admit to that or not because of mistake coming from there. Um, my introduction to the band was this album and it was due to, well, it was due to the um, promo leading up to WrestleMania three, where Alice Cooper was going to walk Jake, the snake Roberts out to the ring. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So during one of Alice's promos, you know, hyping the match up, I was introduced to two bands that would forever stick with me. Um, it was Megadeth and Anthrax. And Alice says something to the effect of that Jake the Snake's DDT was going to uh, pummel the opponent more than a the volume of a Megadeth show and would stomp over them more than the riffs of Anthrax. Or it was something along those lines. So... Um, my neighbor and myself. So he name checked Megadeth. They didn't actually play the music. He name checked both bands. Wow. Um, so my neighbor and I being huge metal fans and being huge wrestling fans, we started diving into trying to find out what we could about these bands. And of course there was no internet. Uh, there was what we could find in circus and metal edge and, and stuff like that. And lo and behold, he went out and he bought, P-Cells and State of Euphoria. And obviously, you know, P-Cells is the one that sticks out to me and, and so many other fans. Um, while everyone else was talking, I was looking up on Wikipedia, and it does mention that Randy Burns uh, was hired to do the original combat mix. The band had $25,000, and they paid Randy Burns to do that, but once... Capital got a hold of it. They had uh, Paul Laney, I think I read. Yeah, uh, but it's unclear of was was that original Randy Burns mix originally released to the public mm -hmm. or did they re have it remixed before it was released to the public? That's what I'm a little unclear on. Yeah, it just says here, after securing a contract with the group, Capital hired Paul Laney to remix the original mixes done by randy burns the previous producer so okay yeah yeah. Um, yeah go ahead yeah for me side one is a perfect album side it i always say this about side two of killers by iron maiden you look at this start to finish yeah, that closer of side one devil's island just in insanity that's probably my favorite song off of the entire album uh, it's a song that my brother and I have played thousands of times over the years because we love it so much. Um, side you've, two, you've played as musicians, or you just play no, it? Yeah, played it. Yeah, unless. Oh, yeah, I was going to say that's a that's a, anything by Megadeth, man. I mean, I'm a guitar player as right. as as you are, Ed. I know, but it it's it's tough, man. Some yeah. tough licks, you know, and they're they're never straightforward. I mean, not, I shouldn't say never, but the majority of their stuff is not straightforward, unorthodoxed in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, so for me, I didn't know that um, 
Killing Was My Business existed till years later. I didn't know anything about the Metallica connection either. I didn't know about that until, you know, information became available or, you know, I came across friends that knew of Metallica or it may have been Eddie Trunk on the radio who mentioned it, you know, one of those things. So I was ignorant to all of that. So for me, this was the, the jumping point for this album. And Killing Was My Business was hard to find back then. Um, because of the, there were issues with the, um, Nancy Sinatra song, if, if I'm not mistaken. So, not sure. yeah. So but that, all those, all those records like that, man, I mean, we used to have to ride our bikes to certain record stores that would have like sections, usually in the back corner of the room where it would say metal, you know, and imports and, and we, that's where we would go sometimes to get an American band. We'd have to go to the import section where the albums were, sent back to America, you know, in this import section, you know, so, so yeah, uh, definitely killing is my business was not a record. You were able to walk into Kmart and buy. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Which I was able to do with shout at the devil. You know, I I was able to buy, you know, which is interesting because, you know, satanic, you know, and imagery and, but you know, Kmart had that for sure. Well, that's Electra versus combat, I guess. That's that's the deal there. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have major distribution, you know, or yeah. or they didn't have the massive distribution, we should say, that you know, major labels had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to me, when when I hear people discuss Megadeth as a whole, I almost take offense when people say that uh um Rust in Peace is by far their best album and their biggest statement because to me, the songs are on the first side of this. Without them, they would have never gotten to Rust in Peace. I I think this was really what took them to another level. And without Wake Up Dead and Peace Cells and The Conjuring and Devil's Island, you know, it they would have never had the framework to get to what they did there. And for as much as people want to say, oh, well, Marty Friedman took them to this, took them to that. Mustaine was driving the bus the entire time. Friedman played what Dave wanted. Chris Poland played what Dave wanted. Uh, Jeff Young played what Dave wanted. So for as much as people give Mustaine crap over the years, without his ingenuity or his you know, sense in music, we would have never seen these players not only come to the forefront, right. and I'm not diminishing anything that Marty did, but without his time in Megadeth, he wouldn't have been, you know, put on the pedestal that he was afterwards. So yeah. I think sometimes people don't give this album as the credit that it deserves. And we will note that even, even I mean, you mentioned all those guitar players, but you could even maybe include Dave Elvison in that because, you know, Absolutely. on this record, you know, we think of, oh, well, that great bass line by David Elvison on the title track song, which MTV News used as their little stinger. Mustaine claims he wrote that bass part. Yeah. Uh, and you he, know, said that, he said that Elvison said that to me when I interviewed him, that Dave actually brought that bass part to him. Oh, so. OK. Well, there you go. Yeah. So and and no other songwriters on this record, but Dave, David Mustaine. So uh, definitely a man with a vision that was definitely becoming uh, solidified on this record in a good way. So much great 
music and just an iconic metal hero to me and I'm sure all of us. But let's just go freeform here. Anybody want to jump in? Any other thoughts on Megadeth in general, on the album? Johan, Seth, anything? I think we need to give a shout out to Ed Gar yep. Samuelson. Okay. On that Absolutely. record, you know, I'm not a drummer, so I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but I understand that he's got a unique style, maybe almost yeah. like Bill Ward. Yeah. I was going to say, man, yeah. there's almost like a jazzy exactly. feel at times, kind of a, you know, yeah. you, you listen to like some of these old, you know, Max Roach and these like drummers like that. And yeah. uh, Steve Gadd, even from the, from the seventies and eighties. And, and you hear, you hear that. I mean, you you wonder, I don't know a lot of his history. If any of you guys do, please chime in. But it, it definitely yeah, he, sounds like there's some jazz, jazzy stuff going on there. He was he was a jazz drummer before joining Megadeth. So that's 100 percent. Ed's 100 percent on the on the money there. And, and it's interesting that when Mustaine kind of put everything back together again with the system has failed, he brought in uh, Vinny Caliuda, I think is how you pronounce his yep. name who's known for being a jazz drummer as well. So he I played guess, with Zappa. I think yeah. maybe even sting briefly, but yeah, yep. Vinny, just an incredible drummer. Yeah. Yeah. That guy, he Gar, he adds uh, a character to that music in the same way yeah. that Dave Lombardo did for Slayer. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, it's like what I've always said that, you know, the, the songwriting, a lot of times people give it so much, props oh well he wrote that song but i mean you look at these bands and it's like would skid row have been as awesome as they were if sebastian bach wasn't singing those songs would would megadeth have been as awesome as they were on this specific record if they didn't have you know chris gar and and david ellison playing with him those three individuals definitely are an important part of what makes this album great regardless of whether they have songwriting credit or not it's their style it's their attitude that comes through on this possibly inspired by what dave was giving them to play but definitely you can't take away their individual um input and uh you know i, I don't know what what's the word uh, their 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 importance in in what made this record so great yeah, their feel as players, definitely. As much as yeah. I said that, you know, he steers the ship without the feeling of the actual players doing what they do, you know, it doesn't get that across. And I mean, we've all seen video clips of Dave directing each one of the other players, like Friedman for soloing and different things. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, 100% on the money. Without the feel of those players, we wouldn't have gotten as good of albums as we did. Right on. Right on. Let's uh, let's just expand the discussion maybe a little bit. Seth, what other Megadeth records jump out for you? Are you a fan of the rest of their catalog or are there certain albums by them you enjoy? You know, I, I have uh, individual songs that have stuck out over the years. Um, uh, Sweating Bullets is a super right. cool song. Great song. Um, but um, no, not not a band that I've stuck with or dug deeply into. Right. Uh, one of the things that my friend Sai said that I thought was really interesting is that um, these songs sound like they're sung by somebody who is a bullied kid, not somebody who was a bully. 
Um, oh, that's, that's a great, that's that, great. Yeah. 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 And that makes sense. And I mean, that's, that's kind of like a, a lot of this stuff is, is as, as a kid, I look back to what, who I was as a kid and I was definitely, I wasn't the bully, you know, I, but I, I had experienced some bullying in, in my day, you know, and, and there was always this, you know, uh, I don't know what the revenge of the of the of the wimpy nerds, you know, that that you a lot of people think of metal. They think of these tough biker dudes and stuff. I think I think of metal in the 80s. I think of, you know, more some of the kids that were kind of like, you know, looking for something to grab onto, looking for uh, looking for something, you know, to to attach themselves to. I mean, I wasn't the burnout stoner, you know, druggy kid but yet I, I so i wasn't accepted by the smoke we used to call them the smoking section crowd because we could actually <laughs> smoke if you got a note from your parents when i was in high school you could smoke in school not necessarily in the classroom but right outside the door mm -hmm. they had a smoking section and i i didn't fit in with those the burnouts i didn't fit in with the freaks i didn't fit in with the jocks i didn't fit in with you know the the drama club but you know i i I had, there was a small group of us who were these metalheads, and it was something that that we uh, could all rally behind. And, and people like Dave Mustaine and his voice and the words that he sang, and even just his aura, were were things that uh, really helped get us through times of of feeling alone and and uh, not a part of the the crowd. You know, so it was definitely an outsider music. You know, and and props to those people for helping us get through the, the, you know, tough times at, at, at times. And, you know, I wasn't re real tough. I wasn't like starving on the street or anything like that. I don't, you know, but just saying, well, it, you know, how teenagers are depression and it's a strange time. You're, you're still a boy yet, not a man in the words of Alice Cooper. Right. Yeah. And so e even though this wasn't my band, I very much relate to that. Right on. Well, we are down to our final band. Yeah, right on. We're down to our final two minutes. Just a warning, guys. So go ahead, Ed. I said this music was our best friend back in high school. I hear you. Absolutely. I, I would save my money. I would, you know, to buy concert tickets, to buy albums. And it was so much value in this music, which I feel like, you know, music just with the streaming services and everything, it's it's been devalued for, for better or worse. I think at times for worse, although, you know, it's so much more accessible, which I guess is a good thing, but, uh, but yeah, man, it was a, at times a private club. It may have been a bigger club, but it was a, definitely a private club that not everyone was a part of, uh, Johan, let's, uh, let you, you want to take it out here. We got about a minute left. Any, any final thoughts? No pressure. <laughs> sure. Thank you. No, uh, this is the first Megadeth, great Megadeth record. And, the, you know, the record So Far, So Good, So What is one of my absolute favorite records by Megadeth also. Me too. Uh, yeah, love it. Uh, the artwork. Megadeth uh, managed to feel fresh, at least up until uh, Euthanasia. What do you call Euthanasia, it? Euthanasia, yeah. Yeah. All right. Between between P-Cells and Euthanasia. They were really, really fresh. The, gold, the golden era of Megadeth. Yeah. They were on the edge of uh, on their uh, ability. So, yeah. 
not uh, not the best ending, but no, no, that's great. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that that is I'm with you on that, guys. Thank you for joining us again. Thanks for all your support on Patreon. Be sure to check Victor out his Mars Attacks podcast and all the streaming and stuff he does. Uh, definitely uh, keep the conversation going. As always, guys, thank you for joining us on this uh, holiday week here in the States. And uh, we, we appreciate everything you do for us. And to all the other patrons who aren't here today, thank you to you too. All right, guys, Megadeth forever. Guys, thanks for joining me on this edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. It's been real. We'll talk to you next time.